2: Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Pod Yourself yourself a Gun, gun. a Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and and talk talk about about it. it. Really appreciate you all tuning in once again to hear us talk about The Sopranos on the World's Only Sopranos podcast. Um, Just a, a quick reminder, real quick please give us five stars in a review. I know I ask that every time. And at this point, I'm assuming you guys just kind of like fast forward through this part. Yeah, Um, I would. Well, you shouldn't Mm because you know what? It's very important to us and it doesn't take that long. You just go into the podcast app and you do it. I'm very anyways, uh, like, uh, and and sometimes I will read them. Like uh, we had a guy who said solid B plus tried to find a good Sopranos podcast. Apparently this is the only one so you know that's good shit right there this mm-hmm. is what we need yeah help us with the algorithm okay and uh just a real quick shout out once again third time in a row probably last time to our 100 hundred dollar patron jason who has the nicest dick in the world good good fat a good mm. fatty good fat dick yeah yeah i'm really i'm losing yeah. steam on I, I don't know what it's, what else to uh,
3: it's it's assertive but not aggressive his mm. dick yeah
2: i like it's, that is it's, it's not
3: it's dick. not overbearing
2: mm, yeah no not yeah. at all not at all it's perfect uh not too long not too short not too thick not too thin mm-hmm. it's the goldilocks dick anyways uh five stars in review patreoncom slash uh all right today Vince and I are going to be talking about from season 6A, episode 3 of The Sopranos, Mayhem. Uh and our guest today, you know her from such things as being an amazing stand-up comic in Los Angeles. She is also a comedy writer. She's also just a fucking dope ass person. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Ashley Ray. Hey,
4: hey, what's
2: up? How you doing?
4: I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm down for all things TV.
2: All things TV. That's right, because you also you you podcast about television as well. Yes,
4: I have my my podcast TV. I say with Ashley Ray, where I just talk about all the TV I watch during the week.
2: That's see, that's fucking amazing because like we've we've had a lot of different types of guests on this podcast. We've had you know we've had our comedy writers. We've had our, uh, you know, journalists. We've had, for some reason, the lead singer of Eve Six. But what we haven't had is someone who does TV rewatching podcasts. And uh, and and it's just like it's good. We're in the same business. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, it's, uh, we talk about heroes a lot, but I feel like the TV <laughs> rewatching podcasters are the real heroes. Like every absolutely every day at six o'clock, there should be people banging pots together. Clapping their hands (laughs) for, you know, the people who just give you sweet,
2: sweet TV rewatch content.
4: TV rewatch, reviews, you know, Mm -hmm. we're in it. We're in the trenches, and people get that a lot of times.
2: I hope so, man, because we truly are heroic people. Because it's one thing to, like, make a whole TV show. Anyone can do that.
4: Anyone can do that. And it's one thing to watch a show. Anyone Mm -hmm. can also do that but to to watch it multiple times and then yeah. uh say something about it well mm-hmm. yeah expressing I mean, thoughts about it that's whew,
3: that's impossible above, for most people yeah above most Come people's on. pay grade I uh, can't do it yeah i've mentioned this before we came on but i wanted to say it for the listeners too that uh, ashley has a tweet about there being a uh, a whites only michelle williams and and a blacks only michelle williams yeah. and like <laughs> it's one of those tweets that's it's up there with like you know, one of those classic drill tweets, like the milkshake duck, where I think about yeah. like every three or four days or so. And uh, yeah. yeah,
4: if segregation really ended, why is there a whites-only Michelle, <laughs> Michelle Williams? It just, it, like it, it truly, and I like I'm from Rockford, which is where Michelle Williams is from. I we actually used to get our hair done at the same place. So for me, I always knew who that was. And anytime people say Michelle Williams, she's the first one I think of. And then a friend called me crazy for thinking of her, first. and I was like, "Come on, yeah, no,
3: I, no, it's it, it's it's fully, it makes complete sense." Like when you when you say it, but also yeah. when you when you tweeted that, like I did have to Google the other like the old other Michelle yeah. Williams, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, I should have known." I don't know why I would know that one less than like the white actress who always looks like she's smelling a fart. Um,
5: yeah. Segregation,
4: yeah,
2: and it's I I actually had this moment with. Francesca my fiance no big deal um where we were I forget what we were watching I think we were maybe watching um what was it the the Beyonce um live Coachella doc or whatever ah yes and I remember at, at one point her saying like oh yeah that's Michelle Williams and then we both went no, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> that, it was, like that, yeah, it was like, that
4: can't be her name. No, no that's somebody else's. That's no, that's someone serious. else. Only
2: one Michelle Williams can exist. can
4: exist. And she was in blue Valentine. I saw yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. There's only one. And she was, you know, the second hottest person on Dawson's Creek, <laughs> you know, next to Pacey. Pacey was always the yeah, hottest, but agree. this, this is not a Dawson's Creek podcast. No, this is a Sopranos podcast. That could be an idea uh, for when we run out of Sopranos. Honestly, though, not a bad idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about uh, your experience with the Sopranos, Ashley. Um, first question. Uh, do you like the Sopranos?
4: Uh, so my thing, here's the thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's the thing. You asked me to be on this podcast. I have not watched the Sopranos. I've tried. Uh, I have tried <laughs> to watch it. Uh, like four times because everyone's like, Ashley, you're going to love it. You got to watch it. And every time I get to the same part and it's when Tony walks in and I guess he's like visiting his mom and uh-huh. there's a black nurse there. And Tony's just like, why don't you stop smoking that ganja? And I, I just start laughing so hard I can't keep watching. <laughs> like, it's like this Jamaican nurse and he's just like, lay off the ganja, huh? Yeah. Like, this is... This is funny
2: you, stuff. I mean, you're first of all, you're not wrong for looking at that scene and going, "Oh, this is like this is definitely a harbinger for um how the Sopranos writers are going to uh attempt to write race relations on the show and especially uh black people on this show. They fail literally every time." And uh so you're not you're not wrong yeah. to look at that and go like Oh, uh, this uh... yeah. Right. yeah.
4: <laughs> I, really just, I just laugh so hard because it's just so funny, and yeah. they make like all these Italian guys like <laughs> so over the top racist to me. Like, really, yeah. like. But I don't. My mom actually loved The Sopranos when I was yeah. growing up, and she was very strict about not letting me watch it. Like, if she was watching it and I came in the room, she would immediately pause it. So I think yeah. I just like, built something in my head where I was like, "I'm not allowed to watch this." Don't Mm -hmm. watch it. It's for adults. Uh, So I, I, you know, I jumped right in at at the request of this podcast. I just went ahead and watched the episode that we're going to discuss. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm one of those people. I've watched The Wire, like, probably eight times, Mm -hmm. like, in its entirety. I love these types of shows. And I know if I just sat the fuck down and watched The Sopranos, I'd be like, this is brilliant. Like, oh, my God. Like, I would just be one of those people was like, have you guys heard of this amazing show?
2: (laughs) Yeah, you probably don't know about it. It's like, it's just one of those really Uh, obscure shows. People were
4: mentioning it to me and I finally, and wow, let me tell you, you got to watch it.
2: So then your experience then, because we have had uh, guests uh, on the show who have not seen The Sopranos, because my feeling about it is uh, uh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you're listening at home, have watched The Sopranos, then you'll get it. Uh, you know, well, stop you trying to tell it.
3: Yeah, you have different perspectives perspectives of it,
2: which yeah, know, I think is interesting in, in and of so, itself. So jumping in, uh, you know, like you know, at the beginning of the sixth season, was there? Did you have any like uh like questions or or were you in any way confused as as to what was happening or who people uh, were?
4: Not really. I mean, you know, again, it's one of those shows everyone has talked about, so I knew like. I knew enough to be like, oh, that's the therapist that he sees. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. knew at some point he's like close to death in the series. So I was like, okay, I see that's, that's where we're jumping in on things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it seems like he has a pretty dangerous job. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The mafia is, um, I mean, it's, it's up there with like, yeah, it's like crab I would say fisherman, like crab fisherman, uh, COVID nurse, uh, yeah. TV, uh, rewatch podcast creator.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then mafia.
2: Yeah, so very dangerous job. Uh, I
4: was like him in the hospital, not too shocked. Okay. Yeah.
2: (laughs) are like no, I get it.
4: Yeah, I was like, I'm getting this, you know. But I was, I guess, a little surprised by just like the whole dream sequence. Yeah. Oh, this is far more, I guess, artistic.
2: Yeah. uh, Oh yeah, there's a lot of art.
4: I get from this this show.
2: Yeah, they do. They do art in the show. It's a whole thing. Um, but this is not a show about art. Well, I just. Anyways, this is a show about art. Uh, it is The Sopranos, and specifically, it's Pod Yourself a Gun. And we cannot start this podcast without first playing the theme song
5: you morning, Pod yourself again. Your mama always said you'd be Pod Pod
2: Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else, today we are talking about from season six of The Sopranos, episode three, Mayhem, which premiered on March. 26 2006 uh vince break us off a little piece of that synopsis
3: while the gang begins to turn on itself tony finds himself at the threshold while christopher gives another try to enter the movie business however mm. this time as a producer rather than a screenwriter
2: all right, great, great synopsis. Yeah. Um, sounds interesting, mm, mm. but uh, like, what was happening though at the time that this episode? Yeah, of course. Came out.
3: You know, we can't uh, evaluate art outside of the context in which it was released, and, and for that, absolutely, we have the Remember When machine. Walk,
5: walk, teddy, teddy, bob, then, 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 then.
6: Remember. Remember, when is the lowest form of conversation?
3: That's right. We're going all the way back to March 26th, 2006. Uh, there was, uh, in serious news, there was a powerful earthquake in Indonesia that left uh, 200,000 people homeless, um, killed 6,000. Uh, it was centered 10 kilometers under the Earth's sur- surface. It was a whole. It was a bad scene out there in Indonesia. That's,
2: that sucks. But That's crazy. You Crazy know, story.
3: around here, well, around here we had the American Idol finale. Oh uh, hell and yeah! And that was it was breaking breaking some viewership uh, records. I mean, what
4: season was that? Who won? Uh, well,
3: uh, Catherine McPhee, uh, was taking on Taylor Hicks,
2: um, and uh, I don't remember Catherine McPhee. I oh, remember Catherine, Taylor yeah. Hicks.
4: Catherine McPhee. She was in Smash.
2: She was in Smash. What's Smash? Do I know Smash?
4: Uh, it was a short lived NBC sitcom that only lasted for one season, but it was about the perils of the Broadway music mm. industry. Mm. Uh, it was good stuff. That's yeah. all right.
3: I love that.
4: It was like a, when Glee was big and every network was like, if we write a musical show, we'll have a hit. Yeah. And everyone was like, this show is very bad.
5: <laughs> what are
3: theater kids really like though? When they stop being theatrical and start theatrical being and real? Start
4: getting real, it was a horrible show.
3: <laughs> Taylor Hicks margin of victory over Catherine McPhee in Wednesday night's American Idol finale was likely substantial. Uh, Fox officials were mum on voting percentages, but idle polling expert Jim Hellriegel. Wow, what a name, what a title, God, you know? That's a
4: job. Yeah. Okay. Says okay.
3: Hicks might have defeated McPhee by, quote, double digits. I think the margin of victory was significant, probably greater than 5%, says says Hellriegel, who runs dialidle.com.
2: <laughs> wow. What the fuck? This guy has got Why? his, like, he started his own business about, like, doing stats for American Idol
4: (laughs) for American Idol but also why is Fox hiding this information right why (laughs) why can't we know (laughs) what it's
2: because he's they're like listen this is this is not this is a fucking you know uh, a secret vote all right it's a secret ballot and we're not even gonna let you know yeah. what they are they're it's yeah. like it's like what netflix does with its
3: ratings oh, yeah. it's like ratings,
5: it's i bet i feel like this was post, you know. uh
3: sandia and uh they're like yeah we're not giving you guys those numbers anymore you guys, you guys can't be trusted. oh sanjaya sanjaya the, that's
2: right yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah th- maybe they were like, yeah, if you if we let too many people know what the numbers are, then they'll they'll start to like question. I mean, honestly, if American Idol was 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 still popular now, I don't even know if it's still on the air. I don't think so. Um, there's like five but there- spinoffs, but I don't know if the original. Uh, yeah,
4: I don't know. There's like so many, sh- like The Voice, The mass, Like, there's yeah. so yeah. many shows that do that now.
2: Yeah, there's always there's like versions of it, but I do feel like the, just the amount of popularity that show had, there would absolutely be like conspiracy theories right now about like oh taylor hicks was obviously getting like that george soros money um <laughs> y- the you know uh debbie Wasserman schultz absolutely put her finger on the scale to get her to win yeah. like that honestly people probably wasn't there like a stat that more people voted for american idol than they actually did the president
4: president yeah but also, I mean, it's so much easier. You can do it from a phone. Like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> true.
2: Yeah, you don't have to register. Yeah,
4: come on, I don't um, have to register. I don't have to go somewhere. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, which uh, is really just an argument to making voting easier. But that's not gonna happen. Uh,
3: this was the mm. highest-rated finale in Idol history. Ratings spiked during the show's last half hour with 43 million viewers, numbers usually reserved for the Oscars. Ugh. So, 43 you know, million people watch the Oscars. Congratulations they, no, yeah. to this Taylor. Yeah, they
5: people
4: did, didn't
5: have
3: much to do. Yeah, Not the now,
5: internet.
2: but
3: you know, back then they watched that
2: many people. Oh, no, it's crazy though. Like, that's I mean, the Oscars. Yeah, I guess that uh, everyone does watch the Oscars. It's just kind of weird because it's just like every time I watch the Oscars now, I'm just like, why am I doing I don't even know why I'm doing yeah. it.
4: I don't. I haven't watched most of the things. I don't understand what's happening the entire time. Yeah. Well, like, even like
3: McDormand a- howled like a wolf, and uh, some other <laughs> stuff happened. I don't really remember. Some other
4: stuff happened. You know, yeah. you get the you get the highlights. Yeah, like,
2: I think like uh, I don't know, like uh, like Glenn Close did a rap. I remember yeah. that. Somebody. Yeah. And
4: I was like, oh no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They really
2: they they love that one. Yeah. They love. Or, or or maybe she just like no yeah she did like a dance or a rap and I just remember yeah, thinking some, like you're, yeah you're better than this Glenn like you're <laughs> yeah, I think there was one of the, the greatest me. living actors right now
4: like we're all just gonna laugh and pretend that this is enjoyable and fun <laughs> <laughs> and forget exactly.
2: it ten days later yeah
5: yeah
3: um, in other news uh, two che- two teens were charged with MySpace dot com extortion. Uh, nice Two New York teenagers are in police custody Wednesday facing illegal computer access and attempted extortion charges after they allegedly threatened to, sh- to take da- no, sorry to shake down the popular website, myspace.com unless it's operators paid them $150,000. Prosecutors said,
4: that's not f- a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird that's... amount. Oh, okay. That's like, honestly, not much.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you might, it's so low that I kind of get the logic. Like they'll probably do it. Yeah. You know, like why go through the hassle of like calling the cops and calling all that shit. Cops, it's legalities. like, Oh, you clearly just need the money for probably a medical bill. You yeah. know
4: That's like a medical bill amount of money.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sean Harrison, 18
3: and Severio Mondelli, 19 of Suffolk County, New York, allegedly hacked into the social networking site and stole personal information from MySpace users. Uh, After MySpace booted them from the site, the pair threatened to distribute a foolproof method for stealing information unless MySpace paid them $150,000. They were arrested Friday when they traveled to Los Angeles to allegedly collect the payoff. Instead, they were taken into custody by undercover officers uh, from the multi-agency electronic crimes task force who posed as MySpace.com employees. Uh, Damn. I looked up one of the guys and he... He is actually the director of product management at Disney Streaming Services now, so you know. What? Good for
2: good for him. Uh, get the <laughs> fuck out of here.
5: What? Yeah. Like, how he, okay.
2: Wait, wait, wait. One of the you, you're talking about one of the people who did the scam? Uh huh. Yeah. What? <laughs> he based works at Disney based on his,
3: based on his LinkedIn and the picture of him that looks incredibly similar to the other guy with his <laughs> same name that was uh, arrested in two thousand six. Yeah. I mean, wow. he obviously was good at computer.
4: Yeah, yeah I mean, he, clearly you had to do computers. Yeah, so. I
2: could do a computer for you. I I almost did computer for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So yeah, I'll
5: do okay. it for you. I mean,
2: for
4: if, and if he's working at Disney, I definitely feel like this is some kind of like he had to pay a cancer bill.
5: Oh, for but, sure.
4: Yeah. This yeah. is a good guy thing. I think this yeah. was just
3: like he showed this news story at various job interviews,
2: and people were like, Well, this guy is obviously a self starter. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, Entrepreneurial he's, spirit. Yeah, exactly.
5: Badass.
2: Yeah. That, this guy's cool. Let's bring him on. I love that. Let's make him CEO. The yeah. <laughs> white people can get away with anything. <laughs> it's just like he just immediately gets a job at, ah, oh, good for him, I man. I mean, yeah.
3: It's, this was like 24 years ago. Wait, no what is it 15 years ago there we go he's had a lot of jobs in between yeah you know i
2: don't know that's good that's amazing yeah good for him
4: wow america land of opportunity baby i got
2: arrested i got arrested one time in my life and i i just all i want is to get a full-time job that's all yeah but did you do anything as cool as hack myspace probably no i I stole a sweater from robinson's may (laughs) okay oh
4: that's not cool
2: I know. It followed me around for the rest of my life. Was that when Nick the bitch sold you out? That's when Nick the bitch sold me out. I've told that story before. He, yeah. I stole it for him and uh, he ran away and I got arrested with my brother. Anyways, I was in fifth grade. Doesn't matter. Point is, I'm very proud of this guy mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, finding a career. Uh, Turn it around. The top yeah. movies in the country were
3: Inside Man, V for Vendetta, Stay Alive, which I didn't remember at all. Some kind of horror movie. Failure Mm -hmm. to Launch and The Shaggy Dog. Oh, yeah.
4: Failure to Launch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Matthew McConaughey. The top
3: pop song in the country was Temperature by Sean Paul. Mm Mm-hmm. And the top rock
2: song was Speak by Godsmack.
4: Hell, yeah. I kind of remember that. Don't really yeah. remember it. Yeah.
2: I don't remember Speak, but, uh, you know, Godsmack was great. Yeah,
4: Godsmack. I remember them as a band. Yeah.
2: yeah. I was like, cool name, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and that rules. That's uh, That does it for the Remember When machine. So that's what was going on at the time that this episode came out. You got your cultural context. You know, that's Godsmack right. was big. Mm-hmm. Taylor Hicks that's- was oh, also. Dude. Sean Paul was ru- ruling the charts. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah,
4: I-, I was 15 years old and... John Paul was everywhere. John Paul, He was everywhere.
2: He was he was great on, um, you know, and this is probably around the time Adrian Brody did that thing uh, on SNL that uh, I can't escape my timeline. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. uh, it, you know, great, good times in, in American uh, history.
4: Yeah. It was some of the better parts of the early 2000s.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, we're going a full episode now with none of those news stories being about the war in Iraq. So I'm feeling pretty good, you yeah. know. Things, things, things were 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 looking up, probably at least for this episode. Um, but to get into this episode now, Vince, you already you read the synopsis about you know the gang begins to turn on itself, and uh, you know um, Tony is still in a coma, and Christopher is entering the is trying to give another shot to the movie business. Yeah. Um, this is and, a big uh,
3: episode. It's part two of the Kevin yeah. Finnerty saga and the introduction to Cleaver.
2: Yes. Now, last time. Um, th- we had this character JT Dolan who is uh, a screenwriter character that they introduced last season um, and Just it's one kind of my this- favorite Sopranos minor characters like easily. S- same
4: yeah i i just started watching but really enjoyed what he had to do here uh, from the just like yelling at his class like a whole room full of writers. <laughs> you did nothing like yeah buddy it's a room full of writers. yeah, yeah right
3: Have you met if, them? <laughs> there's a girl in there if with if a top hat it's like it's the kind of hat that you wear when you don't want to move fast
2: like you are about aesthetics. You're not about physically like stopping a crime
4: writing. You're not trying to get involved.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I, I love the logic in his head. Like as if writers, like it's like a whole room full of cops would have made more sense. But but uh, but yeah. So last time we had JT Dolan on, obviously, you know, uh, I made the Bada B story um, specific to him. Being a TV writer, because uh he was, you know, doing uh talking about trying to get this job at Law and Order, which you did not get in that episode. And so this time around, um, my Bada B story is once again a TV theme song. So, ladies and gentlemen, here is this week's Bada B story.
5: Show me that garbage episode six of she flunked out of school so Sylvia's filling Tony's shoes oh,
2: That's it. Um for those of you who couldn't understand the lyrics, um it doesn't matter. Those that covered everything. <laughs> yeah. We got Oh,
4: yeah. uh, th- I do. I did love Growing Pains, got to say. <laughs> watch that show a lot.
2: That, well, that may be the third rewatch podcast we do after the Dawson's Creek one yeah. and of course after Pot Yourself a Gun. Um yeah, so um just a, a real brief recap. Uh, we've got Silvio filling Tony's shoes while he's in a coma. We've got the fact that uh, Polly and Vito have uh, found out that they have to pay Carmela for, uh, you know, all the money that would be given to Tony. Um, and they're both very, very resentful of that fact. We have Chrissy, who tracks down the screenwriter JT Dolan and forces him to write a screenplay for a horror film that he is dubbed cleaver which uh which is a, a very big plot point in the sopranos uh in the future you will see more and more about cleaver really a fantastic script um and then of course we have uh tony still being in a coma and uh it ending with him eventually um dying and then waking up uh he his his heart stops and then he he wakes up so yeah, let's um initial initial thoughts on this episode. Um, Vince, what'd you think?
3: I mean, again, like I said last episode, this one was much better than I remembered. I sort of remember this arc as just me being annoyed that we were watching this guy named Kevin Finerty instead of what was happening like in the Sopranos universe and totally. uh, you know, going back to it, like they're definitely doing an art pretty hard, but uh, uh-huh. like I don't feel I didn't feel trapped in the dream sequence like I remembered being. I don't know if that's something that comes later, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I,
4: I, I enjoyed
2: it a lot. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Ashley, how'd you how'd you feel about this episode as your reentry yeah. into this? I mean,
4: I I really liked it. I I thought you know just jumping in somewhere I'd be a little like I don't I hate this I'm bored I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but I actually really loved it. And I Mm -hmm. thought there were so many tiny moments where even though I did not fully know the relationship between these characters, like I kind of could pick up on it. Like uh, when the Polly guy goes in and is just like annoying the shit out of Tony in a coma, telling (laughs) him the most like boring story and then he has a heart attack. Like that's, again, just very funny. No, people told me this show was so funny. I probably would've watched it more. Uh, And everything with like the son, he just seemed like he was the worst. And like,
3: I'm a little... Wait, so people didn't tell you that this show was funny? Because that's to me, like that's sort of the main draw of The Sopranos. People don't know that.
4: No one, like I'm always just watching. I'm like, this is some funny stuff. (laughs) (laughs) He's telling this black lady not to smoke ganja. That's. (laughs) And then I'm always like, oh, but I guess it's like serious art time, like manly feelings. I don't know.
2: Yeah, no. See, that that I think is, uh, that is the way that it was marketed. The the show was marketed as like, this is like, what if The Godfather was a TV show? Because like, The Godfather, great movie. Uh, I I don't think I laughed once. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? But you, And so I think and that- that guy like, would be like a comical buffoon in real life, probably. Let's be honest. Yeah. Oh, what Michael Corleone would be? Yeah, all of them. Yeah, they're they're all stupid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and that's that's the thing that you know uh, that gets lost in the kind of marketing of the show, and I think is one of the reasons why there are like um, holdouts to you know the show. Be, or, or like I, I've you ever like you go on Twitter and sometimes you'll just see a random take that will be like I don't know why people would like this show. It's a you know it, it's filled with like toxic masculinity. And it's like, it is, but not in the way you think, you know, it's like, it's actually a, it's, it's a comedy about toxic masculinity and emasculation, you know, it's like suburban malaise. It's like, it's trying to be a man's man in a world where there's an Applebee's next door, you know? (laughs)
5: Uh,
2: And uh, yeah, so it is. It is incredibly funny. And it's this. So
4: funny. Yeah, and everything with like the screenwriting stuff, like them just sitting around, like, okay, then it's like Ghostbusters, another hit, then it's this movie. Yeah. And that's... <laughs> yeah.
3: I almost like weird. want David yeah. Chase to do like another version of. Uh, Studio 60 or whatever that Aaron Shurkin, Sorkin show was like yeah, about.
4: Like, yeah, about, the, like, yeah. Uh, the,
3: the Sopranos when they're making fun of TV writers is uh, they're really hitting on all cylinders, and it's the funniest
2: they ever are is when they're making fun of TV writers. Absolutely, it is like, and as we've said before on this podcast, it definitely comes from a place of the creator David Chase wanted to be a filmmaker. He didn't think the he thought the Sopranos he wrote it as a movie at first and like it became a TV show and I think he's always been resentful of the world of television. And so it, it, to me, it comes through in the way he writes his his TV writer characters or, or just Hollywood characters in general as a bunch of like, you know, narcissistic scumbags who uh, have this very high opinion of themselves and have created like this narrative that's entirely constructed out of their like ego uh, for themselves rather than, you know, taking a real look in the mirror and realizing, oh, I'm like a degenerate gambler who is now, you know, stuck <laughs> writing cleaver for the mafia.
3: I mean it's uh, it's the old yeah.
2: familiarity
3: breeds contempt uh, thing. Like it's always it's always much better and more cathartic and fun uh to mm-hmm. make fun of things that you know and that part of you like enjoys but you also mm-hmm. hate yourself for it kind of thing,
2: you know? Yes. Absolutely. You just get um, to
3: voice all your self doubts and like all the all the like fears that you have when someone else asks you to explain what you do and
5: Yes can you imagine yeah.
3: what they're thinking?
5: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put it
2: all um, on the page. Yeah, and uh, so I think then we should start with um, the Chrissy storyline, um, which is uh, Chris Moltisante is um, got an idea for a movie. And the movie is not yet called Cleaver. But the first you see of Chris in this episode, um, he is uh, in the hospital. And it's just this aside where um, he's just, you know, talking about like, you know, the the, the Godfather or like he's basically just like he's pitching like veto on how he can make money, um, you know, writing a movie. Um, And then we get to our introduction of. Yeah, oh, his whole,
4: t-
3: like, I like the idea that his whole takeaway from, like, the rise of the sort of, like, the digital horror movie and, like, the found footage thriller, like, his his big takeaway is, like, well, anybody can do it now, like, it's, you don't right. even have to have talent, it's just like you gotta yeah. film with the camcorder. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. I love how he's just, like, you put some words on the page, you get some people, you make a movie, And he's like naming all of these like hits. He's like, it could be, and it's like those, those are all hard movies to make. Yeah, Yeah. right.
2: None of, none of this is easy, but he's like, he's more interested in the money made off of giving people like a shitty film. Like he's like, low overhead and sell it to Asian markets. Those are, (laughs) that's the big thing. You know,
4: he's he's, he's a businessman. You know,
2: Exactly. Suddenly, the he's
3: business model makes sense to him, whereas it maybe it it didn't before. On uh, you know, like The Godfather, but now he's like, yeah, you put a million dollars into this uh, camcorder piece of shit, and it grosses a hundred million worldwide, and you're set. Is yes,
2: it? it's so good. Um, and so we get uh, we we get our first uh, taste of J.T. Dolan um, since the last time he was on the series, uh, teaching a workshop at the writers guild and and then getting assaulted by benny and chris's sponsor which is fucking hilarious and i have i have a a clip of that scene
7: we are all hung up but we are also hung up on our own hang up (laughs) we mythologize our inner narrative but the habit the disease ah fresh casualties in the battle of the blank page welcome to the writers guild have a seat Take me. My past is an addict.
6: fuck up!
2: Just. The idea of him being mid talking about uh, mythologizing your own past. Yeah. And then low-key comparing it to like i don't know he's like comparing it to beowulf or like be, like who is grendel <laughs> also warfare like they're refugees
3: from yeah, the battle of the like, blank page oh, like oh uh, yes, yeah. yeah you can't like, think of shit up. to write yeah. so now you're from a war-torn country
5: <laughs>
4: yeah. a war-torn... He absolutely <laughs> deserves to be beat up after <laughs> yeah. what he just said like it's just the most perfect moment of karma You're like, fuck this guy. And then you're like, oh, great. Thank you. you." There's
3: just a girl there who's wearing a top hat and it's never addressed or explained. It's just like, yeah,
2: it's a bunch of writers. They all look like assholes.
3: One of them would have a top hat. (laughs) Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You get enough writers in a room. Someone's going to wear a funny hat. hat. Look, it's it's I was
3: in the MFA pro in an MFA program. And there's definitely some people with uh, personal affectations going on. That's not it's definitely a thing.
2: it's, you know, some people need to express themselves uh, physically through fashion, um, it, even when they can't express themselves uh, through their writing. Um, and so, yeah. So, uh, yeah.
3: The, so the two guys that come in there are Vinnie Del Pino, whose name yes. I forget in The Sopranos, but he will always be. He's basically playing Vinnie Del Pino in this show, which is funny. You talking about Benny? Yeah. Or you to- Benny. Yeah. He's Vinnie Delpino Pino yeah. from uh, Doogie Howser. And oh, and he's basically yeah. playing the same character. Like he even calls people like Mrs. S. And uh, yeah, uh, what that's is he? Right. He said, later in the show he says, "Uh oh, how how they doing? Well, not so hot, so Mrs. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> like that's that's right. very much like a Vinny Del Pino line. But yeah, it's Vinny Del Pino and this guy who's apparently named Murmur. But I don't know that they've ever explained that yet. This was just something that I looked up when reading about the show. Like the other guy.
2: The The other guy who hits him, who's not Benny, is um, he is Chris's sponsor in AA, which is just so fucking funny. I love that. (laughs) Like, there's 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 like AA groups in this in the show, and you'll see more of this this season that um, have like a fair amount of wise guys in them. Mm. And I I love the idea of being able to compartmentalize the fact that you're like a sociopathic murderer. Uh, and like a violent mobster yeah, and also being like, you know, it's, it's, uh it's, you know, progress, not perfection. You know what right. I mean? AA like, a-
3: a- a has this whole scene of like self-righteousness. Like you're doing, you're doing mm-hmm. all, all this, all these like altruistic things like for yourself and for the yeah. world. And then you apply that to people whose job is it is to like exploit people. And like, yeah, it's perfectly compartmentalized in their mind that they can do both at the same time. And it almost gives them, confidence to compartmentalize the two in a way
2: well it makes you better at your job you know because like being an alcoholic no matter what you're doing is getting your life is not manageable right and so it's like and you see it all the time in like regular AA meetings um where it's like you don't know the person next to you what their job is but you know that we're all addicts in a room trying to trying to help each other trying to stay clean trying to stay sober but like some of them are hedge fund managers, <laughs> you right. know,
3: so, I guess yeah. I guess that's them what it is. Are it's like a very, it's like a communal.
2: World. It's an it's
3: like an avowedly like communal helping. Uh, you know, it's like a commu- a help community. Like you're there to it's, it's to it's, it's be yourself. Yeah, it's like it's you're, you're there program. to help people, and then you apply that to people whose job is just like directly to be predatory and exploitative. Yeah, and it's wonderful. <laughs>
2: yeah it is it's it's just funny it's just taking it to the extreme as the show does like what if mobsters wanted to get sober um and of course you know jt we met jt the first time at uh an aa meeting where he was sharing and in that episode all he was doing in his share was talking about his writing credits and and like you know and now he's in an he's in a writing
3: class and all he's talking about is his addiction basically
2: his addiction yeah yeah, exactly his uh no matter what room he's in he's trying to impress people with his like you know he's not in a room full of addicts he talks about his credits uh as a writer in a room full of writers he talks about his credits as like a real guy with a story yeah um (laughs) And of course, he immediately gets uh, hit on the head, um, dragged into a car. Also, the last
4: another wounded warrior of the (laughs) (laughs) blend.
3: Well, the last time we meet him, he uh, was—you know—he had had to pawn his laptop uh he had had to pawn his laptop to pay like his gambling debts and now he has a the laptop is back only he's getting brained with it which is great oh that's like, right like he's gotten he's <laughs> cleaned himself up he finally has gotten out of debt he's bought himself a laptop he's got this class and then uh
2: boom he just gets hit the hit upside the head with it which is a great metaphor it's two laptops that the mafia has destroyed <laughs> um And, yeah, so Chris drags him into a car and um, threatens him a bunch and then uh, pitches Cleaver, which is just the most schizophrenic, like, scene. It's just watching him, like, like,
3: yeah. I'm convinced this is actually how, like... movie executives think like they don't really it's not really like it doesn't come from like this inspiration of i've got this personal story to tell it's more like i've i've found uh an opening in the market and and i'm going to combine these two things to create like a bigger tentpole
4: and we'll be able to launder some money and then i love the part (laughs) the writer guy is mostly just like and if i do this you'll forgive all my debts like he just yeah right like he, a- like I can just vomit whatever on the page, yes, and you will forgive my dad And by, by the yeah, way,
3: like and the, yeah, and yeah. this is also sort of how The Sopranos was created to some extent. Like David Chase was like, yeah, I got this story about this guy who has a a problematic relationship with his mother, and he's Italian, and 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 it was kind of like yeah, no one, and he has a shrink, and it was kind of like yeah, no one cares about that, and he's like, okay, but what if it was the mafia? And they're like, yes, yes greenlit. <laughs>
7: That's totally right. <laughs> My idea is Saul meets Godfather 2. Moving <laughs> track record, both genres. Young wise guy, assassin, gets betrayed by his people. They whack him, leave his body parts and dumpsters all around the city. Long story short, he is put back together by science, or maybe it's supernatural. <laughs> and he gets fucking payback on everyone who fucked him over, including the cunt he was engaged to. She was getting porked by his boss the night the hero was killed. Bing. don't make me come look for you. An entire room! (laughs) Full of writers, and
4: you did nothing.
3: (laughs) Of course, they did nothing. They were hoping to have something to write about tomorrow.
4: Like, yeah, come on. They were literally like our disappearing teacher. Like, it like (laughs) someone already started on the short story, dude. Sorry. They were refugees
3: from the battle of the blank page, and you just like built them a home. In yeah, (laughs)
5: exactly.
4: I just I was curious because like like that's I think twice in the episode he talks about like saw. And I was yes. like, I did not realize the impact of the Saw franchise yes. on culture in the early 2000s. Like, everybody was just trying to find the next Saw.
2: I, I, absolutely. I And that that is something that, you know, I think continues to some extent to this day. Yeah. Uh, that It was kind of like re... I don't know what the word is. Reawakened or whatnot um, uh, after Get Out was such a huge success. But I remember at the time... Um, And for maybe, like, I don't know, a decade after, low-budget horror film was, like, the only thing you could make if you were a new writer. It was like, how can we make this into a horror film? It's still any idea.
3: And also, like, Saw did give us, like, two really good filmmakers. (laughs) Like, it gave us, like, James Wan and Lee Wan, who made, like, uh, Aquaman and, uh, like, The Invisible Man, respectively. Like, they both have like really good careers separately after creating saw and,
4: uh, saw has it has its high points. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I I love saw personally. Um, I still have never seen the first one. I've never seen
3: great. any of them. I don't think I've it's only it's,
4: seen the first one.
2: It's got, uh, <laughs> what's his name? The guy from, uh, princess bride Carrie always. Yeah, yeah. He's great in it. Um, you know, I mean, he's actually not, he's like particularly terrible in it, <laughs> yeah. but, I think it was because he did not expect this to be a movie people saw, so he's like, "I'm phoning this one in," uh, and it ended up being a big old, big, big hit. Um, but uh, yeah, the the idea is simple, guys. It saw meets the Godfather two, Easy. and
3: uh, okay. So I just want to pause here, yeah, because I have this theory that like, if you just Google any British actor. They always turn out to be like quasi-royalty or like the scion Whoa. of some really old family. And I, I swear to god, I didn't I knew nothing about Carrie Elways. I just put him in. I was curious what his background is. I've never looked this up before. Uh he is the youngest of three sons of portrait painter Dominic Elways, an interior designer and socialite Tessa Kennedy. Uh his paternal grandfather was the portrait painter Simon Elways whose own father was the diplomat and tenor Gervais Elwes. His other great-grandfathers include the diplomat Rennell Rod, First Baron Rennell, and industrialist <laughs> Ivan Ricard Ivanovich. Like, every single goddamn British actor has some sort of weird... Like, I looked up... uh, What's her name from uh The, the Queen's Gambit? Um, oh, yeah. Anya yeah, Taylor-Joy, yeah. her dad, yeah. is like a like a super rich industrialist slash like powerboat yeah. racer there is not a single one who does, like uh rafe fines his real name is like rafe like twizzleton Schenectady like he has like seven <laughs> names he's they're all they're all so like weird. nobility it's crazy
5: yeah. twizzleton schenectady yeah <laughs> okay
3: you want me to look that one up for you <laughs> yeah because now i oh, have the to.
5: yorkshire schenectady's <laughs> his, yeah
3: yeah ralph nathaniel twizzleton wykeham fines like his actual oh, last <laughs> his last name is actually twizzleton dash wykeham dash fines that's his born name jesus yeah. Christ. double hyphenate
2: that's so many hyphens yeah yeah Wow. Well, you know...
8: That's too much. Just look up any
2: British actor. It's a fun game. That's all I'm saying.
8: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: All right, so uh, then um, later we have the big pitch. Um, Chrissy introduces JT to Little Carmine and some of the other, quote, investors on the project, all mafia people, Um, and then uh, (laughs) JT pitches the idea to all of them in possibly one of my favorite scenes. I did have a
3: question. He said 2.30 at the Bing. Did he mean 2.30 in the afternoon or 2.30 in the morning? Because it seems unclear.
2: I don't know. He also said at the Bing, and that clearly wasn't the Bing. We usually do not get this granular on the show. Right. But
3: I was just very curious bi- because I, for me, like the if you picked a time to, for me to like brainstorm something, like between two and five in the afternoon would be the absolute worst time. I'd just be like, yeah, I don't know. Sure, that's the, that's like nappy time for me. My brain yeah. goes night night. But,
2: but that's usually when we podcast, bro.
3: Yeah, exactly. I would be so much
2: better at this at <laughs> any other. time. Well, that explains why you uh, sound tired all the time. Okay, uh, this is one of my absolute favorite scenes from the series.
7: We've been working on a new kind of slasher film. It takes place in the world of, you know, um, the mafia. It's about a wise guy with a big mouth and bigger dreams. So, right, um, he's kind of outshining his boss so the guy has him clipped, but he's still alive when they cut him up. Oh, he's going to feel that the next day. <laughs> right. So at the dump, his body reassembles itself, all except for a hand that got crushed. So he ties a cleaver onto the stump. Right now it's called pork store killer, but I'm thinking cleaver. That feels like a veteran, you said he's-
3: a veteran move to... Give them like your your rough draft title, but then immediately follow it with like your actual better with a title. good title. Yeah, so then the people get right, it. But
4: like, I was also thinking
2: a good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Exactly. And then like, Ooh, like, that is a good title. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's called uh Spooky, Spooky, Scary Time. But I was thinking, you know, <laughs> just like, oh, that is better. Yeah, yeah. F- for sure. That's like, uh, a, a, like a classic pitch yeah. move. Right now it's called Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza
3: Place. But I was thinking, actually, we could call it Friends. Two Girls, One Cup. <laughs>
2: yeah.
5: Oh, oh,
6: yeah, that. All right. <laughs> either, either one. How's he evening up with anybody? He's a ghost? As I understood... A zombie of sorts. Great title, by the way. But if they jointed him, he's not going to end up all in the same dump. And how's that a slasher film? What are you talking about? A slasher. A couple of kids naked in the lake. Certified is, maniac on the loose.
3: This is so perfect because. I don't know when when you write about movies, you always run into someone who's like a genre stickler where they're like, yes. no, that's not the same because, uh, actually he was dead the whole time and thus it can't be, you know? Yeah. And I like the idea that Silvio, is like the genre stickler where he's like, come on, yeah. this is not a slasher movie. That What are you yeah, talking about?
4: like, technically, that's not a slasher. Like, wait, and if they're not in the same place, how's the body? I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine. The, yeah,
3: technically, the, this, this is a gothic romance
2: and not a horror film, so, uh, yeah. Yeah.
4: It, it, you know, it reminds me
2: of like, if you've ever like given your script to someone to get notes who is not someone who also writes, a lot of times like the, the shit that they're gonna point out is stuff that is just like not at all uh based on anything other than they're kind of like their idea of what's logical and what's not logical. Like they'll say like
3: they've seen before. Like you're trying to write a thing that's like new and fresh in some way. And they're like, yeah, I can't fit this into the uh, preconceived categories that I already am bringing to this.
2: I don't know. This scene reminds me of that in that they're all like, but how can he end up at the same dump? Usually when, when we cut up a body, (laughs) uh, they end up at separate dumps on, uh, you know, intentionally so that the police do not put the body back together. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I love that. But I do also love yeah. Syl, like, being, like, very much a stickler for, for the genre.
7: Not a ghost. Actually, the maniac is almost always a supernatural force. Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers from Halloween. Get the fuck out. Easy, Easy. He's making a point. Michael Myers
6: is an escape mental patient. Jason or Freddy, different kind of movie. Well, that's the kind
7: we're doing here. Saw the ring. They made millions. And that's not even including the Godfather angle, which we got here. What if
6: (laughs) they disposed him at stops that happened to be (laughs) along the same route? Then he would all end up in the same
7: dump. But he's a ghost. I don't know ghostbusters another fucking money machine
3: (laughs) i mean but he's a ghost feels like a good alternate title uh (laughs) but he's a ghost
4: we also we
3: skip past the part where uh we find out that little carmine has has you know some movie producer experience with the south beach strumpet series that's right yes (laughs) little
2: carmine uh mostly produces porn but he's thinking (laughs) about getting into the horror business which is, um, I mean, you know, it, it actually, is, it's, it's semi-logical. Yeah, feels I mean, like a logical like, well, arc. I've yeah. got the equipment and I've got the money. <laughs> what else do we need here but a good script from a great writer who is doing this under duress? Yeah.
4: Um, I mean, clearly brilliant. He teaches the best of the best.
2: He does. Yeah, all the all the top-hatted writers in New yeah. York come to him. <laughs> <laughs> he's the king of WGA uh, East, and he shall remain so. Um, But yeah, I also there's something about Benny just doing that. What if with a pause, which Mm -hmm. is if you've ever (laughs) if you've ever brainstormed with someone (laughs) and then they say the worst, just like a completely irrelevant thing, just like. What if they're all along the same route? I Coincidentally, mean, it feels like a good note here. You know,
4: yeah, it, it does make sense of the story because they do <laughs> sure. end up in the same dump. I mean, that you, you gotta you gotta account for that.
2: You gotta account for it somehow. Uh, it's it's uh, but like to 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 not look uh, at the story as a whole and just try to like poke plot holes into into what's essentially just like a three sentence like synopsis <laughs> pitch is. Oh, I I love it. Yeah. So then, um, you know, after that pitch, uh, later, you know, Chrissy will meet with Tony, who eventually does get out of a coma. But uh, we got to get into into these other storylines as well, you guys. Um, it's a lot in this episode. we open with a big bang. There's a big score
3: at the beginning, and there's, yes, there's actually a shootout, which is sort of rare for The Sopranos. Sopranos is not really like a big. Shootout, uh, show where right. there's like exciting gunplay, and mm-hmm. uh, and it was a little weird at first, but then in the middle of it, Polly does get need in the balls, and that turns out yeah. to be like the big takeaway from um, yes, it, it's that very turn- fun. yeah, that, like like the exciting, uh, th- what makes the Sopranos is that like this moment of like exciting shootout is not really a climax of any kind; it's more a uh, jumping-off point for like Polly, Polly's balls hurt and people are fighting over who's going to have yeah. to kick up to whom.
2: Yes. Yeah. And and I love that like just a little insight into like Polly's character, very subtle, but like when they when they first raid that room, first they like, you know, they they find the room that has, you know, the drug dealers or whatever counting the money and they chase this like little dude and then they use him as a human shield as they b- bust into yeah. the room. And then they start. uh, They shoot the guy who's counting money, and then all this money starts like flying in the air, like from the like the the money counting machine. And Polly gets distracted, and rather than like clearing the rest of the room, uh, he just starts like (laughs) he just starts (laughs) putting putting money in his pockets. He's just like, oh, money, because like that's that's pretty much all Polly cares about, and his storyline is very much about. how cheap he is and how yeah. much he does not like to part with a dollar. Um so as he's like trying to like get the money, he of course gets sneaked up on from behind, almost gets stabbed in the back, um, gets instead knee in the balls. Uh, and then yeah, they find two million dollars or so in uh, in a dishwasher. Um and so uh so yeah, th- this storyline uh ties in a lot like the Pauline and Vito stuff tie a lot into like um what's happening via uh, like a vis-a-vis Carm's storyline and also Tony who is in a coma. So um
3: they they, they so sort we- of touch on this a little bit but one thing I always wonder about in these mafia storylines is like mm-hmm. it's all based around like so and so's getting points on this business and so and so's getting points on that business and for this scheme, but they're all all cash businesses and they're all presided over by people who are like professional crooks like the idea Mm -hmm. that you're gonna get an accurate percentage of whatever thing that you're supposed to getting be getting points on uh like i can't imagine you're ever getting the actual 10 percent or whatever you're owed of what you know
2: what i mean like it's a i mean i think they work on the honor system a little bit (laughs) everyone everyone does skim but, uh, you, I, you know, you skim just enough for it to be believable mm-hmm. uh, and not get killed. Um,
4: exactly.
2: Yeah. And so, like, you know, with um, with Pauly and Vito, uh, they they get into uh, somewhat of a financial pickle uh, because of the fact that Vito gave him the tip as to where the like Colombian safe house was with all that money. And of course, Vito wants his cut. And it has to be presided over by um, Silvio, who is now taking over for Tony. He is acting boss as Tony is in a coma. And suddenly and- he
3: has asthma. This is a new thing. We've never – there's been six seasons. We've never uh, – He
4: ne- seem like the kind of guy who'd have asthma.
2: Sure. <laughs> he, exactly. Exactly. And that that's why I, I love the choice of, like, he has asthma during this because it's like he is kind of um, – what do you call it he's like uh not ocd but he is sort of a clean freak. he's a fastidious
3: kind of guy yeah
2: yeah you know his 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 hair piece always looks really nice he's very clean cut he doesn't like to get you know his hands dirty you know he's not he's um you know he does violence occasionally but for the most part he's about strategy advice you know and he talk he talks about that with his wife gabby um so yeah this this storyline uh is about, you know, kind of like Gabby not pressuring Sill to take control, but kind of like getting him prepared for the idea that he might be the boss of the family soon if, if uh, Tony doesn't wake up. And I feel like watching him fumble through you know like uh this opportunity in in some aspect was like one of my favorite storylines of this episode was was him having to preside over all of these different disputes and yeah. uh i mean acting as if he was the boss yeah <laughs> like, like at one point like,
4: yeah he didn't have the confidence
2: he had he had no confidence at one point he he, he like gets into uh the hospital um and uh he's like oh how's Carmela doing and uh and they're like oh she's not doing well and he snaps his friend and he goes memo and then he like <laughs> tries to dictate a memo to like to benny or something and it's just so funny because you're watching like someone who's essentially middle management get his shot
3: yeah <laughs> and, yeah to me this was like i sort of related it to like he's consigliere so he like his job is to give advice to tony so mm-hmm. like uh, to me, he's sort of like the McKinsey consultant of the mafia where he's like, you know, supposedly like the smart one. And right. the idea yeah. is that like, oh, I know how to do this. And if I were given the reins, like this would be done differently and more efficiently. But then of course, like he actually gets this opportunity and realizes that he kind of doesn't know what he's talking about most of the time. Mm.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's definitely put in a position of like, I mean, because you realize like the, the the job of the boss, whether it's the mafia or anything, is like the the decisions you make are somewhat arbitrary. They're kind of set, uh, you know, based on like set precedent of like, here's what you're supposed to do in this situation. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's a dictatorship and he's just trying to do the diplomatic choice to make everyone happy. And instead he makes no one happy. Um, and I think there's no more clear example of that than the scene with the uh the sit down that they have on the toilet um and uh and i have a clip of that
6: carmella she gets teeth cut under the circumstances correct it's your call i know it's my fucking call <laughs> yes that is the correct thing
2: <laughs> I, I love the pause and yes that is the correct
5: thing
4: it's just... i i I love this scene because I just love uh, before people had smartphones, like he goes in the toilet and he like sets up his like his newspaper and his coffee. Yes. Like I'm really about to take my time and then they just ruin it.
2: Yeah. The idea of being interrupted on the toilet to take a work call is like, is, I mean, it's a very real thing. Cause like nowadays, like you said, we would have our phone, you know? Uh, but then if we got like that fucking slack bing that came yeah. up, I, I, we would just immediately be like, "Not while I'm shitting. It's like yeah. it,
3: it is really is took okay. me back to those like aughts days where I would like, p- you know, put a bunch of uh, internet articles like in a in a uh, notebook file and like print mm. it out and take it to the bathroom to read. Uh, yes. Yeah. Smartphones killed that.
2: It reminds yeah. me of my, my last desk job where I swear I went to the bathroom four times a uh four yeah like four <laughs> times a day at least and most of the time i would spend in there just like just trying to trying to like clear my it was like meditative i was just like i'm here to enjoy myself cuz i know as soon as i get back to my fucking desk i'm going to have something that i have to do that i don't want to do yeah. and uh yeah you see him like trying to enjoy himself but you know yeah. can't escape it
4: now yeah. when you're the boss. Now
2: when you're the boss. This is You gotta pay the cost to be the boss. <laughs> Alright, all right, the scene
6: continues. Oh, ladies' room next door. I can reach it from here. I'm gonna get T's piece of my half to sell here for her. Of the thing. Back up there, Bluto. Your half? It was fucking mayhem. You said the place was empty. Doc says I need an ultrasound on my groin and balls. So, you want to weigh in here? It breaks half and half. That's a hundred grand a piece. You got it? No question. Of course. I got a piss first. You want here for that too?
2: Yeah, nice. I gotta say, I really do love the banter between them. Him coming into <laughs> Pauly walking into the bathroom and seeing Vito and saying, Hey, ladies' room is over there. And then Vito going, I could reach it from here. Yeah. I mean, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Be- He's saying his dick is so big. <laughs> Thank you. That fr- from the bath from the men's bathroom he could wrap around to i mean that's a big dick big dick that's too big that's hell
4: it's those little details Yeah.
2: that's yeah, that's, yeah it's what makes the show is the, the 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 tiny the tiny banter that uh yeah. it's just so colorful for these characters um yeah. speaking of tiny details so vito the fat one he's gay um, and, uh, you know, nobody really knows that he's gay. He's closeted. Um, oh, is
4: that why there's like that whole weird thing with like, uh, the girl's boyfriend?
2: Oh yes, exactly. Oh, yep, I was yep,
4: wondering yep. about that. I was like, that felt a little gay. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's, uh, Finn is the only one who knows cause he actually caught him blowing a dude, uh, when he worked at a construction site for like a summer. Um, and, uh, and so he's just, He's mortified of this guy he's, he's super scared that this guy is gonna like do something to him because he's the only one who knows that his his you know yeah. dirty little secret that he is uh that he's gay and um what I love is there's a scene where uh Vito is talking to uh Phil Leotardo and Phil just out of nowhere says uh to him, "Hey, you when you married my cousin, everyone used to say you look like John Travolta, which is." A nice little uh, way of just, like, calling him gay. Uh, now, I don't think that at all uh, Phil is calling him gay, but it's, like, one of those things where everybody knows he's gay, but if you were to ask, you know, the mafia, they'd be like, he's, he can't be gay. That's impossible. Yeah, no way. Yeah, It's like, oh, what do you mean? Just, you know, he's he's the straightest man I've ever seen. Have you seen him sing and dance? <laughs> um. And it reminded me of. I'm <laughs> talking about the producers of Gotti. I'm talking about the producers of Gotti mm-hmm. who decided to cast him as John Gotti. <laughs> Even though he is the most. Oh, that open. movie was bad. Oh, it's terrible. But he's like, he's like, they have to know he's gay, but I don't think they do. Yeah. And I
3: think. I've always. And I, it's been something that I wondered like since the day that that movie
2: was announced. I was like,
3: isn't it. Uh, do they know? I mean, they got to know. Maybe they do not love- know.
2: I would love it if they were like, yeah, we know. We don't care. Love is love. But yes. I know that's not the case because the Gotti family had to sign off on the movie. Yeah, And like those junior, guys,
3: like John Gotti's son, John Gotti Jr. was like the driving creative force behind most of that <laughs> project, which is. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, uh, Silvio um, is having a lot of trouble, like keeping the peace between Bobby and Vito. Basically, Vito is asking for money from from uh everyone he's trying to get a cut of like bobby's random thing like bobby has there's some decision about uh that like junior made that bobby doesn't like and now junior's in jail and it doesn't really matter all all that matters is fucking Vito is trying to get a piece of everyone's action and silvio does not know how to handle this and his asthma just gets worse and worse Mm. to the point at which um at the very end of uh Silvio's storyline, he is being taken away in a stretcher, uh having a gigantic asthma attack, and I just I, I have a little bit of that.
8: It's can't okay, breathe. honey. you're gonna
6: be okay. Can't, breathe. Right. Can't, breathe. can't
8: breathe,
6: can't breathe. It's okay, honey. You're gonna
8: be okay.
5: What's going on? Would you move your car, please, sir? Chill. I didn't hear from you.
2: <laughs> he's in a fucking stretcher being taken into an ambulance, and yeah. Bobby is still like, "I need a decision to be made." It's just, uh, you know.
4: I also love that he parks behind the ambulance. Yeah, I love that. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, why would that be an issue?
2: Yeah, he's like, "Oh, hold on, this will just take a moment." As someone is like, literally gasping for air um the, uh,
3: the question yeah, i have it is, says a lot that like silvio has failed like to the he's failed as a leader to the point where bobby bacala does it, bobby bacala who's like the most uh normally like passive. the most passive and submissive member of the gang is like be has become
2: a nudge and like needing him to make a decision totally and I, the question i have about it is like I'm not sure how much of this is like Sil actually having allergies and having asthma, which is something we've never seen on the show before. And how much of it is just like him having a gigantic panic attack, realizing he is going to be, you know, having to like mediate these fucking (laughs) petty ass people for the rest of his probably shorter life now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a sign that you're in a job that you fucking hate is when, uh, the idea of like getting promoted makes you want to die.
4: <laughs> yeah. It makes you want to go to the hospital and you can't breathe.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that is, I, I do think like some of it was panic. And I also think that, uh, you know, he may have had asthma hard to tell. Yeah. Um, and finally, um, you know, we get, a we get, let's do uh, Kevin Finerty slash Tony slash Carmela.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and AJ, let's not forget AJ. I mean, he does. Oh, sh-
2: we're yeah. Of
3: yeah course. He's
4: annoying. And I guess he drops out of school or something. Well,
3: and yeah. he shows up in a shirt that says most likes to Bogart or most likely, sorry. Most likely to Bogart is it?
2: Yeah. 420 plays. Yeah. Yeah. AJ's. Yeah. I mean, AJ's storyline is, is fucking great because it opens with AJ going to the hospital, you know, with, uh, with Carm and Meadow. Um, and bobby and chrissy immediately go up to him and say hey we heard you were at the south mountain uh, arena trying to buy a gun from that asshole in the snack shop which is just it's exactly where aj would go to buy a gun he's like oh i know one scumbag who works concessions yeah. at an arena and um
4: and I love he's like how'd you know that like- yeah <laughs>
2: yeah who told
4: you who told you like really
2: yeah yeah exactly as if like they don't they control crime in north jersey what do you think these people do (laughs) um and uh yeah i i love it because you know they're telling him like hey you know what this is i understand you want to do this but you know there's no way you can get to junior he's in federal lockup and aj directly quotes the godfather twice in this episode he goes difficult but not impossible which is a godfather to quote um and of course as soon as he says that he takes a big sip from his like super-sized soda because he is a fucking baby man um but he he wants to you know like his entire experience of the mafia somehow uh is still based on movies and not at all based on like his actual family because yeah. his actual family you know keeps him sh- you know uh, sheltered from all this stuff and um Later uh, in the, in like the next scene, AJ's freaking out cuz he forgot to bring Carmela's sweater and he quotes The Godfather again when he um when he refers to himself as a messenger boy um which is uh you know, uh I think the character Johnny O'La in The Godfather 2 um was the Sicilian messenger boy for Hyman Roth. Johnny O'La played by fucking dominique chenise or how do you i don't
3: know chenise or Chinese, i don't know
2: Chinese. the guy who plays junior soprano played johnny ola who was the messenger anyways these are a little bit of trivia that i yeah. do for i don't know who i do it for nobody likes it um but i do trivia anyways um but <laughs> i do love that aj is like is the albatross around carmela's neck because everyone else is pulling their weight except for him um, and the only weight he wants to pull is to do a murder of his uncle,
5: Yeah, <laughs>
2: which is something it's not
4: a well thought out plan. It's not well thought out. And he it's mostly,
2: so... he dislikes, uh, his
3: uncle for making him feel weird with like, like his uncle basically creeped him out. And that's why he, partly why he hates him. He's like, Oh, that fucking, in the last episode where he keeps complaining about the mummy and yeah, uh, he keeps ba- calling him a mummy. Yeah, it's yeah. Cause he was creeped out by the fact that he was old.
2: And he wants to kill him, not just because he shot, uh, you know, his father, but he wants to kill him because it was embarrassing that an old man shot his father. Yes. So it's like he wants to do it out of embarrassment, which is, you know, not yeah. a great reason to do uh, a murder the inside murder. of a federal prison. I mean, yeah, that's kind
3: of um uh that's that's like going back to the wire it's like omar omar getting shot by like a little kid like it comes out of right. left field and you feel like it's sh- it shouldn't happen like because of you know like it's 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 like a cosmic injustice somehow but uh right you know yeah. everybody gets caught,
2: you know everybody's gets got get that's a wire spoiler for yeah. those of you yeah. uh who sorry if
4: you haven't watched the wire yet but yeah spoiler
2: hey it's too late if you haven't seen it just watch it that's um funny. yeah, Carmela in this episode is just um is is just kind of like quickly like careening into a wall of having like a nervous breakdown. Um you know, she's looking snaps. hotter than
3: ever weirdly.
4: She looks she, great.
2: She yeah. looks fantastic in in crisis. Uh and um yeah, she I I love her little freak out at AJ like when she snaps at him it is the most It's like cathartic for me because someone has needed to yell at this kid for so long. And uh, I have a little bit of that.
8: I swear to God,
1: I'm going to fucking kill you. What the
8: fuck? You make a fool of yourself and our family on national fucking television. They totally misquoted me. Well, of course they did. That's what they do. Which is why I and everybody else told you, don't talk to the press.
6: You're the one who looked like a total asshole. Dragging me around like I was five years old. You're a cross to bear. That's all you are to your father, to me, to everybody. Fuck this. I fuck it all.
5: Jesus, Mel. What's
6: wrong with you? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Mom.
2: Ugh. Edie Falco, once again, just kills it in every okay. scene that and, she's and in. And
3: Hugh, an underrated performance by Hugh as always,
2: being yeah, like the clueless the father. Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I just I love her so much.
4: Uh, um, nothing's wrong with her. Come on.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. You know, what's what what could possibly be going on in her life to make <laughs> yeah. her freak out? Make I can't imagine.
3: Yeah.
2: Um and then so then she
3: she ends up in a therapy session with Dr. Melfi, which is Funny to me yeah. because, you know, like I'm sort of on the record that the therapy scenes are by far like my least favorite uh, mm-hmm. parts of The Supreme. I feel like
4: that must be against some rules. It, like, you, I, right. can, you just, can you just be like, yeah, I'm your husband, therapist. but I'll see you too? I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't it really does
2: know. seem, but it's also on brand for dr melfi to yeah. be not that great of a therapist <laughs> she but, breaks she, she breaks a lot of rules there's a lot of moral lines being crossed ethical lines she does
3: but i, I just thought it was interesting because like it immediately becomes apparent that like Carmela is a way more interesting therapy subject than uh yes than tony is and, and like yeah. the the therapy scenes like with carmella in it you actually get into some stuff that's interesting because i mean it's like the there is this whole thing with her character where like how much is it denial and how much is it uh like how much is it reflexive denial and how much of it Mm -hmm. is like actually like deliberate and i mean this this therapy sequence seems to suggest that most of it is very deliberate
2: yeah yeah did you happen to get a clip from it (laughs) no no no, neither did I I just cuz I know you cuz I know you hate it so I didn't get it clear. Oh, <laughs> I was really good in this episode, I thought. Well, you know, I'll put it in and post. Uh, you know, but uh it's a great it's a great scene. They talk about so. One, I mean, one of the things that I thought was interesting to see from Carmela's perspective was sh- her whole thing is not, "Oh my god, my son or my my husband." is in the mafia you know like in previous like i know incarnations of her being in therapy you've seen her like a couple of times and in in bits uh of like therapy scenes right but like in previous ones she has kind of like been in crisis about it but in this one she's resigned she's she's like listen i know who tony was i've always known what he was and i've known that most of the things i have are due to uh, they're all ill-gotten gains But her big thing is the fact that the longer her kids are around them, the more they are complicit with, um, you know, what's going on. And uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty insightful. Um, Yeah. You know, which is
4: interesting. She doesn't want to drag them into it. And then one of them is so eager to be brought in.
2: Right. I mean, at this point, the the idea of getting – Uh, like I think she sees in AJ someone who is like such a fuck up that he's going to have no choice but to be in the mafia right it's like she's
4: gonna be so bad at it
2: and he's gonna be so bad at it (laughs) well it's like
3: a weird accidental curse that they're doing and it's like and he and AJ's AJ is like the second or third generation that this has happened to where like the yes. mafia dad is so determined to keep his son out of the mafia that he like, doesn't teach him anything, doesn't tell him anything about it. And so the son gets his idea of like what being a mafioso is basically like from the Godfather and Goodfellas and movies that he's seen. And yeah. so it's like you're on like the third, second or third generation of uh mafioso who has gotten all his ideas from popular fiction.
2: Right, yeah, and just perpetuated this, like, you know, this constant, like, this new generation is just even more incompetent and more violent than the last one, and, uh, you know, that's not good. That is uh, certainly not good if you're running a business, Um, but yeah, uh, Carmela, you know, meanwhile is spending most of this episode in the hospital, just kind of worried about Tony, who is still in a coma and this episode wraps up the uh kevin finnerty storyline um you know most of the stuff we we saw with the kevin finnerty you know thing was in the previous episode tony uh is you know he has just been diagnosed in this like dream state or purgatory wherever the fuck he is as having um alzheimer's Um, he got slapped in the face by a couple of Buddhist monks, Mm -hmm. uh, who thought he was another guy named Kevin Finnerty because he lost his ID and, or he like switched briefcases with someone else. And now he has taken on the identity of Kevin Finnerty. Occasionally Um, getting
3: slapped in the face with Buddhism is like a nice metaphor for watching anything that David Chase has written
2: yeah that's right yeah yeah he likes to slap us in the face with Buddhism it's his favorite thing no Mm -hmm. matter how much we're like it seems like a superficial level of knowledge you have about this particular religion (laughs) doesn't seem like you've gained much insight beyond like uh, an affirmations calendar Uh, but uh, yeah so he ends up going over to the Buddhist temple after he gets like a court summons and um, he tells them you know I have fucking Alzheimer's and these scenes in general, I I felt like for the most part um, it was good, but it it wasn't like um, we don't get too much more about what's happening with uh, Tony in the stream world other than kind of them hitting us over the head a little bit more with like the fact that he's got a choice between like he's at, he's at like a, yeah, like a, supernatural purgatory thing
4: yeah and he's like he goes to this party and steve buscemi's like you're going to the party you're not (laughs) gonna
2: so steve buscemi is uh is his cousin tony b who he actually killed last season um and he doesn't seem to recognize him uh presumably
4: just playing like i don't know a spooky death guy <laughs> yeah
2: yeah no he's he is
4: a um, spooky ghost guy
2: he is a spooky ghost guy but he's a spooky ghost guy who tony uh murdered uh previously uh-huh. and um yeah he doesn't seem to uh recognize him but it's clear like that whole sequence of him being in this like you know at the kevin finnerty family reunion is supposed to be like Go towards the light, you know, and you know, you know, your cousin's there. He thinks he sees his mother, and in the distance, he hears like, "What is that beacon sa- anyway?" And then you yeah. never
3: get an answer.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's art, dude. They're so doing art. They're doing so much art.
4: Yeah, and he hears like his kid and stuff.
2: Yeah, he like, hears his kid like, die, go, go, go. "Daddy, don't die." Um, and oh, you know, very importantly, the reason that uh he is at this particular party. Um, in in the in the real world is because he is just flatlined. Um, he has a heart attack because Pauly <laughs> Galtieri talked him to death, and the, this is yeah. this is just incredible. I just I have some of that.
5: The main thing when people come to sit with Dad, the doctors want positive talk that helps in his recovery. You
6: got it. Oof, Maron, he looks terrible.
5: You can't say stuff like that. You have to stay positive.
6: Yeah, it's just not to prepare you for that. But <laughs> I tell you, T. First the eyes, then the teeth. Next, you find out you can't take pissing for granted. Some joke, eh? You hear like the beeping of his heart going fast. <laughs> when I was in the service, I won the chin-ups Cup three weeks in a row. Guy asked me to model for the boxing poster. He was half a fag, but uh, I was flattered just the same. <laughs> that fucking argument, T. I mean, do I blame myself for this life? The shit that happens? Like well puss? Stand up one day, FBI rat fuck the next? <laughs> I felt it here, T. I felt it right here. Will you please shut up in there? God damn it! Shut up! Shut up in there! So I said to Ma. <laughs>
5: Oh, fuck! <laughs> just,
2: just being completely caught off guard to the fact that this dude just dies in the middle. Like yeah. it is, I said it so from funny. the beginning,
3: but the guy who does like the soundscapes uh, for the Sopranos is just so good. Like you can listen Incredible. to, you can turn off the, the video portion of the Sopranos and just enjoy it as like an audio soundscape because uh, oh, yeah. so yeah. full of deliberate choices and wonderful timed,
2: Really, really fucking great sound design. Just a fucking great, great... I mean, uh, and a wonderful scene. Pauly... Just a nice,
3: like, classic Sopranos mix of the mundane and the profound there.
2: It was nice. Absolutely. Um, And then he wakes up. They uh, they get his heart going again, um, and uh, they all celebrate. It's very sweet. Um, You know, it, it is a very nice moment when you see tony you know has opened his eyes and his heart started again um in the final uh scene we have uh oh I, and then of course Vito and um and Polly realize they have to give all that money to carmella now because he because tony is awake and he might be expecting that money because <laughs> yeah. who knows what he heard in the coma yeah. the <laughs> the idea that he actually like is gonna wake up and expect money is very funny um yeah. And then Chrissy tells him, hey, I'm going to go for the movie business. And since you have just, you know, obviously been shot and were in a coma and almost died, I will say that this is a demand because you are weak and I am strong. And uh, I will. Uh, yeah. So he basically says, I'm doing this with or without your blessing. Uh, you know, come at me, bitch. And then uh, Carmella wipes his you know lips with a fucking ice cube which looked really nice (laughs) and uh somewhere over the rainbow plays and the show ends and that that is uh yeah so that's the episode
3: also yeah yeah, another like thing that the sopranos does that the most shows wouldn't is like showing him looking like shit after waking up from a coma i feel like most yeah like almost every show like someone wakes up from you know being sick in their deathbed or whatever and they just look full like makeup yeah full makeup but he's got their like, hair is done he's got like the dried crusty stuff yeah. on his lips and like his voice is all messed up from the breathing tube like very accurate on uh you know levels that shows don't usually do
2: totally and he asks am i dead and they're like no you're in newark which <laughs> 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 That's, may as well be. yeah may as well be dead um. All right. Real quick. Uh, do either of you have a favorite scene, a least favorite scene, or a scene that we didn't talk about?
4: Uh I. I mean. I think my favorite scene really was just like the chaos of them robbing those people, and it just like all go like just they, they did such a bad job.
2: Yeah. 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 Going
4: everywhere, him getting kicked in the balls, just good. <laughs> classic <laughs> comedy.
2: It's a great way to open. Uh, a mafia show is <laughs> just uh having like a, a having a robbery go wrong and someone getting just hit in the nuts. Pretty beautiful.
3: Yeah. For me, I mean just like the reveal <clears throat> of Chrissy saying, yeah, it's Saw Meets Godfather Part Two. Like yeah. just that whole sequence was was brilliant. Like there was so much comedy packed into like two or three really tight sentences there that was really yeah. great.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I agree. I think um I mean, every scene I to me, there's nothing funnier than the scene where where JT is pitching saw to a room full of fucking like rubes and like mafiosos who just like they the fact that they felt entitled to, to give notes is the funniest thing in the world to me. Yeah, just I, I love the idea of a bunch of guys who have never written a lick in their life trying to like poke holes in an idea that is essentially it's a it's a horror film about a guy with a with a meat cleaver for an arm and they're like well i don't know there's uh we got to work on the logic of some of these uh, stories yeah. <laughs> just i love that so much um and yeah i would say um the real gangster of this episode if i had to pick one would be um uh studio executives giving notes to a screenwriter that's the real gangster um yeah i would say it's uh, the crushing
3: weight of existence
2: well that yeah. was deep dude. yeah dude that go Buddhist deep. with it let's yeah yeah well fuck yeah man and uh if i had to rate this episode and i could give it any rating at all as you all know i would give it a solid b plus vince what would you give this episode
3: yeah real tough choice um you know after a lot of deliberation, I think I'm gonna go Solid B plus.
2: mm interesting choice that is I, we, that's very rare for this podcast. Uh, Ashley, Ashley, uh, if you had to give this episode a rating, like what letter grade would you give this episode? Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. I, 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 with my limited knowledge of The Sopranos, I would give it a B plus. Yeah, he's uh, like it, it. It mostly has all the the makings of the things you need for a good episode of The Sopranos. I love mm-hmm. it.
2: I, I think that is correct. It is a B plus episode of The Sopranos and an A plus episode of Pod Yourself a Gun, Ashley Ray. Thank you so much for coming uh. on the show.
4: Thank you for having me. I feel more motivated than ever to finally watch the entire show.
2: Hell yeah. You absolutely should because you know what? It is one of the best shows that's out there. I don't know. It's like, it's a solid B plus show, you know, it's not perfect, but it's not bad. Check out the Sopranos. Where can people find you Uh, on the internet? Uh. Where can they find your work?
4: Uh, you, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at The Ashley Ray, T H uh, E E Ashley Ray, or Instagram at The Ashley Ray, just money.
1: Mm.
4: Uh, yeah, or, you know, I, I live in LA. I do a bunch of shows. You can head to my website to get tickets to whatever I'm performing at uh, www.theashleyray.com.
2: Hell yeah. Check out the website, follow her on Twitter, go to her live shows patreon.com slash broadcast for all of the bonus episodes that's where uh vince and i do the broadcast and we talk about pretty much anything we talk about movies you talk about uh talk the, about eternals you know the, yeah we just did an episode about the eternals a uh it was a movie um and of course as you know the eight dollar tier gets you a shout out at the very end of the episode. So Vince, we have four that we are doing today. Oh boy. Alright. The first one is just Mark. Just Mark? That's it? That's it.
5: Hmm.
3: I'm gonna have to call him uh Rube. You know, he's an easy
2: Mark. Alright, very good, very sure. good. Uh sure. Ben, what is Ben's it's just Ben. Uh we call him uh we call him Benny the jet because he likes <laughs> the sandlot you know uh, <laughs> uh, that's honestly not bad yeah. there's a lot of you know elton john slash the who themed uh mafia names mm-hmm. um okay next
3: is james henderson we call this guy jimmy peeps because he's always eating those uh easter candies all year sure. round. yeah <laughs>
2: Okay, and finally, and this is a make uh, a makeup name for last episode. I gave him the wrong first name before, so I want to get it right. It's Matt Brighton. What did we say before? I don't even remember. Mm. Mm. You got you got to start all over.
3: Ma- I mean, we could just. I mean, this is an easy one, but we just call him Maddie B, like my favorite uh, tween rapper.
2: Oh, Matty B raps. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah! All right, so those or we could just call are- him the tween. You know. Yeah, hey, it's Matt the Tween Brighton. He's, uh, you know, he's not a man. He's not a boy, not yet a man. I don't know. All right, <laughs> point is, thank you guys so much for your uh, $8 subscriptions. And you can do it right now and get yourself a shout out at patreon.com slash broadcast. Broadcast at com for all your questions, comments, concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right everyone thanks again so much for listening and until next time With don't Tony. stop believing
5: Only keeps talking Tony dies and he wakes up